Three soldiers emerge from their barracks in Arras, northern France. A colonel, a sergeant, and a private. It is somewhere close to the middle of the night, and bitterly cold. The men make their way to a field ambulance parked next to the entrance gate. The colonel sits in the front with the sergeant, while the private climbs into the back. The sergeant starts up the engine, and a sleepy sentry waves them out and onto the road beyond. The young private holds onto a strap dangling from the roof as the van lurches over the rutted road. He feels shaky, and this jolting is not helping things. This raw morning has the feel of a punishment. When he was woken, minutes ago, he was told only to get dressed and get outside. He has done nothing wrong so far as he can tell, but the army is tricky like that. There have been many times in the six months since he arrived in France when he has transgressed, and only afterwards been told how or why. He closes his eyes, tightening his grip as the van pitches and rolls. He had hoped he would see things over here, the sorts of things he missed by being too young to fight, the sorts of things his older brother wrote home about, the hero brother who died taking a German trench and whose body was never found. But the truth is, he hasn't seen much of anything at all. He has been stuck in the rubble of Arras, week in, week out, rebuilding houses and churches, shoveling bricks. In the front of the van, the sergeant sits forward, concentrating hard on the road ahead. He knows it well, but prefers to drive in the day, as there are several treacherous shell holes along it. He wouldn't want to lose a tyre, not tonight. He, too, has no idea why he is here, so early and without warning, but from the taut silence of the colonel beside him, he knows not to ask. And so the soldiers sit, the engine rumbling beneath their feet, passing through open country now, though there is nothing to show for it, nothing visible beyond the headlight's glare, only sometimes a startled animal, scooting back into darkness on the road ahead. When they have been driving for half an hour or so, the colonel rasps out an order. Here. Stop here. He hits his hand against the dash. The sergeant pulls the ambulance over onto a verge at the side of the road. The engine judders and is still. There is silence, and the men climb down. The colonel turns on his torch, reaches into the back of the van. He brings out two shovels, handing one each to the other men. Then he takes out a large hessian sack, which he carries himself. He climbs over a low wall, and the men follow him, walking slowly, their torchlight bobbing ahead. The frosted ground means the mud is hard and easy enough to walk on, but the private is careful. The land is littered with twisted metal and with holes sometimes deep. He knows the ground is peppered with unexploded shells. There are often funerals at the barracks for the Chinese labourers, brought over to clear the fields of bodies and ordnance. There were five dead last week alone, all laid out in a row. They end up buried in the very cemeteries they are over here to dig. But despite the cold and the uncertainty, he is starting to enjoy himself. It is exciting to be out here in this darkness, 
where ruined trees loom and danger feels close. He could almost imagine he were on a different mission. Something heroic. Something to write home about. Whatever is happening, it is better than churches and schools.